Hello, today is episode 262 and today we're chatting about supporting your metabolic health during crazy times. This is a crazy time that we are in and today our guest, Ali Miller and I, an actual interview. We're chatting about how to support your body through anxiety that exists in the world today, unsettling feeling without ritual, how to work through your life and add ritual so that you feel more settled, how to approach the changes facing the world today with grace, ease, and love, a different way to look at mask wearing, how to take action and express your needs to feel empowered, breath exercises to reduce the stress response, and so much more. Now again, this is the first interview that I've done in ages, and I was actually sitting planning a bunch of podcast episodes, and I was feeling so detached from the show. Since about January of this year, I started inviting guests on to take over the show, and I love this idea, and it's going to continue in some capacity going forward, but I'm really lacking connection with humans, and I'm sure so many of us are feeling this way. In fact, Allie and I chat about this very thing and how it can create stress and anxiety, so I asked myself, how can I connect with people more? And then I thought, of course, I have a podcast. So I invited Ali on to be one of our first interviews back um, so Ali and I could connect and chat about all things that all things that have been happening recently. Now, Allie Miller, if you're not familiar with her work, she's been on the show a couple of times. She's a registered dietitian with a naturopathic background and a contagious passion for using nutrients and food as medicine as the foundation of treatment protocols and programs. She's the author of The Anti-Anxiety Diet, The Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook. Her food as medicine philosophy is supported by up-to-date scientific research for a functional, integrative approach to healing the body. Ali is a certified diabetes educator and a renowned expert in the ketogenic diet with over a decade of clinical results using a unique whole foods approach tailored to support thyroid, adrenal, and hormonal balance. Ali's message has influenced millions through the medical community and media with television, print, and her award-winning podcast, Naturally Nourished. You can find her and her work over at AllieMillerRD.com and her podcast and information information at naturallynourishedrd.com, which includes her blog, podcast, clinic, and so much more. If you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. You can also catch up on previous podcast episodes and notes from today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com. Today's episode, it was just so great connecting with Allie again, asking her her approach on all the things that have been happening in the world since March. Uh, She offers some really good, valuable resources. I've included a bunch of links of the things that she mentions throughout. And just keep an open mind throughout this interview. I'm really, really interested in what and how you feel after listening to today's show. You can find me on Instagram at Leanne Vogel. That's V-O-G-E-L. If you want to let me know how you enjoyed it. And without further ado, let's cut over to this interview. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel. You're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've created a free guide with tips on how to start keto and maintain your fat-fueled life. Grab it at healthfulpursuit.com slash free as a little thank you for listening to the show.
Hey, Allie. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you doing, Leanne? I'm so good. It's so great to actually speak with another human. You're like my first <laughs> interview that I've done in over a year. Whoa. Well, <laughs> I'm honored to be that interview. And uh, I think we're going to have an awesome conversation. I've been missing your voice and a personal connection. So this will be wonderful. I know, right? It's been a long time since I've jumped on Instagram and I have no idea what's happening in your life anything. So why don't you tell all of our listeners and me who you are, what you're up to? Yeah, I'd love to know. Sure. So I am a registered dietitian and I practice functional integrative medicine. So I went to a naturopathic college, Bastyr University. And with functional medicine, I really see myself as a detective of the body, if you will. I'm always seeking the root cause of chronic conditions or undesired symptoms and working with the individual to help them to discover what the triggers were, what the underlying mechanisms were, and how we can really go upstream to resolve rather than downstream to symptom manage. And you are so good at that. Like even when you're speaking, it could be so complicated, but the way you just described what you do is so simple. And you're so good at disseminating the information in a way that anyone, no matter what background they have, what they're interested in, you're so good at explaining things on a very basic level with very complicated things. Oh, totally. I mean, the thing is, when you're talking about food as medicine, which is the first line treatment protocol using food as medicine, and then next level targeted nutrients, it, it makes sense when we think of the body's biochemical reactions and all of our anatomy and physiological responses require nutrients. You know, every single process in the body requires nutrients. And so when the body's dysfunctional, it makes sense that we would use nutrients to help the body do better work. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's the best way I can explain it to people when they're always like, but why would you need a supplement if you eat healthy? And it's like, well, if your body is showing a demand, maybe it's burning through a nutrient at a higher level. Maybe you have a genetic snip or you know, interference with absorption of that nutrient. Maybe your microbiome's off. Maybe you're burning the midnight oil and, and your adrenals are just burning through on a neurotransmitter level. But either way, we're always meeting that individual with where they're at and then giving them the tools to get above water again. Beautiful. And you mentioned like nutrients that people burn through a lot quicker. Can you give us some examples specifically since about March, we've been, a lot of us have been so stressed and oh, so yeah. much has changed. And I've noticed that my supplement regime is completely different than it was seven months ago. But what are yeah. the sorts of nutrients that people burn through quicker when faced with stress? Yeah. So B vitamins are kind of the first category that we think of. And B vitamins play such a role with our energy. They play a role with how our mitochondria work, uh, how we metabolize nutrients as well. And so we can see when B vitamins get depleted, we can experience more fatigue. We can experience sluggish metabolism. And we burn through B vitamins under stress because they're used as cofactors to act activate our neurotransmitters. So when we are in a state of high anxiety, which I think is fair to say we all are, even if we don't choose it, just being out in the world during a pandemic time with really polarizing 
intense emotions and opinions and polarizing is the best word I can say, you know, just these really oppositional anger, hatred, it's palpable. And, and, you know, even before a lot of that came out early March, if you'd go to the grocery store, you could just feel the, the energy changing. And I think that there's that kind of electric charge or current, if you will, of an anxiety response. And, and that's one of the first areas that we would see the, the B vitamin depletion. Then there's also glutamate, which is an amino acid. And um, I tend to think of this as, so glutamate can convert to GABA, which is our inhibitory, mellower out, stress landing gear, if you will. And uh, glutamate also is in the form of the amino acid glutamine, which is a fuel source and a building block for our enterocytes, which is a fancy word for gut cells. And so I, I talk about this all the time in, in my books, The Anti-Anxiety Diet and The Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook, that stress alone can actually drive leaky gut. So when you're under this chronic fight or flight excuse me, fight or flight response or high anxiety response, the stress actually will deteriorate that gut lining tissue, which is why a lot of people, I mean, we tend to associate like ulcers with stress, right? Or gastritis, heartburn, but we're even seeing now more bloating, GI distress and uh, higher food sensitivities and inflammation from the stress response. I feel like just about everyone who's either new to keto or been doing keto for a while knows about perfect keto. They were keto before keto was cool. <laughs> They're a really awesome company ran by a bunch of really cool people. And they have the ability to know what keto people need because they are keto through and through. I use their products to stay in ketosis, burn more fat, extend my fasts, satisfy my sweet tooth. They have different supplements and snacks and supportive nutrients to get you on the ketogenic diet, transition easier onto the ketogenic diet have boosted energy, overcome afternoon slumps. And what I really, really, really love about them is they understand that keto people also travel. Many of their products are so great for taking on the go, whether it be their MCT oil packets, which I personally love. It's the powder it adds to anything all the way through to their amazing, like, and I say amazing, with like rainbows and butterflies around it. Amazing protein bars. Like I cannot keep these bars in the house, whether it's Kevin having four at dinner time instead of an actual dinner or me sliding a couple into my little snack plate when I'm watching Netflix. These bars are legit. They're delicious. They're perfectly sweet. They're perfectly fatty and they have bits of cocoa butter just baked right into there. So good. And Perfect Keto's put together a wicked promo for all podcast listeners. When you go to perfectketo.com slash KDP40, you can use the code KDP40, buy one item and get one for 40% off plus shipping. Again, that's KDP40. Buy one, get one for 40% off plus free shipping. If you're trying to come up with some ideas and some product recommendations, number one, you need keto bars in your life. If you're having a hard time deciding, just go with almond butter brownie. You're welcome. Exogenous ketones I personally use to maintain my energy level and give my brain a certain edge. Another great one is their nut butters. Oh, 
They're good. Keto Collagen is a winner, as is the MCT oil powder. So again, that's perfectketo.com slash KDP40 with the code KDP40, where you can buy one, get one 40% off. Enjoy. Mm, beautiful. And how is somebody supposed to know what they're low in, how to do it? Like, do you, do you work with people? Where can they go to like fully understand this? Cause you said a bunch of beautiful things, but <laughs> I, I imagine there's at least one person that's like, yeah, but how do I know? Yeah. So, I mean, with the gut before I would do any fancy testing, honestly, um, which we do, I, I do a, a blood test actually that looks at 35 vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants, and it's called a micronutrient test. Um, I'll, I'll send you a link, Leanne, so you can link it if people want to look into it. Um, and you can do that virtually through my clinic. But I will say, honestly, when we know we're in this situation, we can do things preemptively to kind of bubble wrap, if you will or to hit the areas that would be a higher insult from this perpetuated stress response or this rumination or anticipatory stress of unknown in the situations that we're finding ourselves in today. And so I would really break that down into supporting the gut proactively with compounds that aid in that connective tissue and provide glutamine. So bone broth is a fantastic food to get into your repertoire regularly. Collagen and gelatin also really fantastic to support that gut tissue integrity. So that's something we can do to to protect and defend. I'm also a huge proponent of taking digestive enzymes. So I have one in my line called DigestAid. And when we're under stress, it's important to note that you actually only manufacture about a quarter of the amount of enzymes you would if you're in a rest, digest, parasympathetic place, right? So one thing without even needing a digestive enzyme is to take time before your meals to incorporate mantra or to incorporate breath practice and to really ground yourself that's a good practice across the board, you know, because you're going to be more mindful at your meals. You're going to feel more nourished. You're going to experience your food more when you're in a mindful setting. Uh, But also you're going to absorb the nutrients that you're providing your body at a significantly higher rate. If you get into that parasympathetic space where you are secreting more digestive enzymes, because then you're breaking down the food particles and able to absorb the nutrients in that the food is offering you. And that also hand in hand reduces the digestive distress. So, you know, you're less prone to having the heartburn or reflux as well as the bloating or the mechanical cramping that your body's trying to compensate for based on the lack of enzyme. So, you know, gut restoration with bone broth and collagen gelatin, digestive function optimization by stress reduction and breath work are huge. And then I really believe so heavily in the power of probiotics as nature's Prozac. You know, there's so much clinical research and double blind randomized clinical trials out there that demonstrate, and and those are the gold standards in research. And I say that clearly because I think it was I don't know if it was 2020 or Dateline, but there was just a recent piece on like, you know, bashing probiotics, which (laughs) I think there's a lot of uh, big pharma politics impacting policy. We can sidebar that and go into that in a moment, but (laughs) probiotics are absolutely essential. And the lactobacillus and bifido strains specifically have been shown to be very powerful players in supporting our serotonin levels, also our GABA, which is again, that that kind of inhibitory landing gear to our fight or flight stress response. 
And we see when the gut is in a dysbiotic state that it actually puts out more fight or flight survival cues. The body puts out more epinephrine or adrenaline if you're in a state of dysbiosis. So if you have a, a pathogenic bacteria strain like E. coli or salmonella or a form of candida yeast overgrowth, your body actually puts out neurotransmitters of panic and duress saying things aren't right. And if you're someone that's already in an anxious state, that's only going to perpetuate. So if you can harness and get the microbiome to work for you, maybe do Doing a gut cleanse um, and then really repollinating with a probiotic, that's the third place where you can really be proactive and I would say have great outcomes without having to invest in the micronutrient test. I love that you mentioned taking pause before eating. I actually had Invisalign installed in my mouth about a month ago. And before I'm able to eat, like before I'd just be cooking and then I'd be picking at things and I'd sit down and eat. But now that I have to actively take out the elastics, take out the retainer, clean my mouth, there's like this pause. And I noticed that I've become a lot more conscious of, Ooh, okay, yeah. I'm eating now and it's like this preparation to eat and I found my digestion being better. Like I'm having more bowel movements. I'm like, what is this about? But yeah, I, I didn't even think about that until you said that. <laughs> that totally makes sense because right, that ritual that it, it's humans thrive on ritual. And, and I think that that's also why there's this higher keyed up anxiety at this time. Think of your day-to-day -day rituals and, and yours differently. And cause, because you're, you uh, rotate your routine often, you know, but thinking of people that worked in the same office and walked by their secretary and then, you know, parked their car in this particular lot, walked through the office, took the elevator, do, 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 right? There's like literally 70 plus rituals or timestamps within that given day. And now adults, you know, children we know thrive with routine and ritual. Adults do as well, but we're not always cognizant of them. And now with pandemic and this huge flip on our ass um, of what our rituals and routines are, adults are feeling lost. And, and so just that ritual of, you know, clipping out the teeth, having to, you know, soak them or right, right, clean the Invisalign, that whole process, your mind is, is starting to get into the space of a parasympathetic state of, okay, we're prepping up for nourishment. This is going to be mealtime. You probably actually secrete some saliva pooling if you pay attention, Leanne, you know, during that process, because it's like that Pavlov's dog. Your body's like, okay, this is the food time. And I like totally you said, do. before you, you didn't have that active <laughs> awareness, you know? Yeah, it's so true. And I, and I love that you're touching on the unsettledness of ritual because I, as a nomad, I mean, I haven't had every day is different for the last seven years. I have not had a similar, like it's always different. And I think if you're not used to that and all of a sudden with everything happening in the world, not having that ritual, I could imagine that being really causing a lot of anxiety, right? Right. Right. Uh, and, and like I said, it's just, there's, there's a sense of comfort in the like subconscious rituals and routines that many people, that's what the unsettling is. And they're just starting to kind of figure out, you know, I think I said back in April, I don't know, one of my uh, rants was like, okay, we're past the Netflix and chill time. <laughs> we're in the manifest what reality you want to take and what proactive measures you want to own in your well care because, you know, you don't just wait for, for a routine to pick back up. And especially, you know, the parents that are trying to navigate schooling and all these things, we have to just start to manifest what we want to see versus wait for something to, to change or be created for us. 
Yes, I loved that video. And that was really a kick that I needed, like a very gentle, soft kick of like, right, I can't be waiting around. You know, I get to co-create this reality that I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, how have you personally approached all the changes that are facing the world today? Because you have a child and you're yeah. out there in the world like all of us. How have you personally uh, gone through the ebbs and flows of the last couple of months? Yeah. So let's see. So I'll open actually with a really funny thing, Leanne. So when you asked me how I am, I think I said wonderful or something like that, but my mantra used to be riding the waves <laughs> and like literally like forever. I, one of my mantras was always like, I surrender to this stress. This is my passion manifest mm -hmm. because I was always this person that would wear a million hats. And it was like, I'm not going to let myself get bogged down by feeling overwhelmed by opportunity that I've waited and wanted. And that was always my like hustler mantra, if that makes sense. And that's recently shifted to riding the waves, like literally since January and kind of onset of pandemic, it's like, okay, I'm riding the waves. And, and for my perception, it was this way of just kind of watching, observing and uh, being open. Okay. Well, one of my gurus talked to Becky, who's the co-host of my podcast, and she's now 32 weeks pregnant. And we were, we were talking about birth circles and, and, you know, manifesting visuals and such. And she was talking about during her birth that she was told by her doula to ride the waves. And, you know, when you're going through contractions, it's this involuntary overtake of the body that you're just trying to surrender to, right? To let your body open up and release and allow the process. And she said, every time she envisioned riding the waves, she would cringe. Like it was like, she'd have to like, you know, get ready for the wave. And, and she was cringing and that was actually holding her body and not allowing the labor to progress. And I had the weirdest, like most heart opening hit. She said that, you know, during her labor and this woman's 60 plus years old. So she was reflecting way back that she was calling for her, some loved uh, aunt or grandma that had passed away and was on the other side and was calling for her Nana. And the Nana came to her side in a, a spiritual reflection during her labor and said, honey, when the big waves hit, when we're on the beaches, we don't ride the crest of the wave. We hold our breath and we go down deep. We go down deep, we go under the wave. And under the wave is the stillness. And under the wave, you can allow it to carry over you without creating distress. And so she said from the rest of the, the labor, when she'd feel the big ones, she would take these breaths and go under the waves. And, and it still kind of gives me goosebumps. I don't know if that resonates with you, but that's so much. That's, yeah. Right. Like, it's like, oh, dang. <laughs> that to me has been my, my transition in this as a mother, as a practitioner, as a free thinker and critical thinker. And I think that I've found a lot of peace in that potentiality of being able to do that. In March, is when I kind of quote unquote came out with my voice uh, on, you know, here's what I see, here's, you know, what I'm truly concerned about. And then really started to kind of hit the ground running in, in April uh, with the impact of what would potentially happen with back to school guidelines. Those were released mid-May. And uh, mid-May, I've been really aggressively speaking uh, truth on the concerns of excessive disinfectants being used and that impact on both endocrine disrupting influence like quaternary ammonia that's being 
being sprayed in germ defoggers and this having an impact on our sexual hormones and, and can potentially sterilize our youth. That's very concerning to me. Also, the fact that these disinfectants are respiratory stressors and can you know, negatively impact the bronchial function, which is kind of a big deal when we're talking about a respiratory virus. They can also sterilize the microbiome. So that's a huge puzzle of an area that I've been really aggressively speaking truth to. And then the, the whole world of uh, mask wearing and just the, the really, again, polarizing, I think is the best word. And the view of people that are so compartmentalized and just having a really hard time stepping their toe outside of their box. Um, I've found so much birth through this process of breaking up the category or compartment that I thought I resided in and completely, you know, the biggest box cutter you can find of, of freedom of, of seeing things in a new light. And I think being a functional medicine practitioner, because I'm inquisitive, because I'm always questioning the narrative, it's been easier to question what's being fed to us in the, in the mainstream media. Yes, 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 yes. Agree, <laughs> agree, agree. I loved how you talked about um, your hustling mantra and how that has shifted. I've experienced a very similar shift where I got to the point of this complete emptiness in the depth where I was like, oh my gosh, I see nothing the way that it was before. And who am yeah. I? And what do I want? And oh my gosh, I've been living this life that I don't really enjoy anymore. And that deepness, that story of going under the wave is so perfectly perfect. And thank you so much for sharing that because it, it encapsulates exactly what I've been trying to explain to people, but it's so beautiful. <laughs> that is, that was so beautiful. It is. It really, literally every time I explain that to someone, I still get physical goosebumps and it just resonated so strong to me. So I feel like I have to keep sharing that message because otherwise as light workers or as truth seekers, we're going to deplete our resource. And, um, you know, you really have to be grounded and you have to be still to manifest change. Completely. And the stillness, as somebody who's lived on a boat over the last two years, there are days, <laughs> sometimes weeks where, you know, the weather is really bad and we can't leave the boat. And I've had to deal with so much hot boredom of oh. just, I'm so bored. I have nothing to do. I can't go out. I can't say, say hello to people. I'm so alone. Um, so it's been really helpful. It's almost training in a way of you know, being in stillness and in that emptiness and being like, it's okay. I don't have to do, I can just be and stare at a wall for hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really where the depth comes from. That's like the most, the greatest gift I think I've received in my life is being able to go under that wave and hold my breath. And it's so much more still under there, but our our culture, uh, our so social circumstances tell us that we have to be out in the ocean, like struggling against yeah. each wave and hustling. And it's just not the way that it could be. And I've had a lot of conversations with my girlfriends lately of, we've been in this paradigm of, if you're not struggling, then you can't possibly succeed. Or if it's not difficult, you can't possibly learn anything. And something that I'm seeing very true to this process is like, I make a declaration that any experiences that I have, any lessons that are provided to me, I can experience them through grace, ease, and love. And oh, even love just that. 
oh, like making a declaration, you can scream it at the top of your lungs. Like I demand that all lessons that I am gifted are experienced through grace, ease, and love. And I guess it's very similar to going under that wave and knowing you don't need to struggle to survive. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's a lot of right now yelling and screaming and opposition. And it, it's, it's even more challenging sometimes to find that silence, I believe. Completely it is. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Something you mentioned I want to dig into a little bit because um, I felt a little bit powerless in this situation and I'd love to chat with you about this. And this is the, you know, you go into Whole Foods and they require you to sanitize your hands. And at yoga yesterday, I was surprised being told that now in yoga class, I have to wear a mask throughout the practice. I had a very visceral experience this morning wearing the mask in yoga class to the point where I started crying, I was convulsing, and I was like, I'm not okay with this. How do we manage out in the world when we know that these certain things <laughs> that are required are not good for us? Have you done any yeah. work mentally on this? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, first, can I share as a, a healthcare practitioner why I believe masks are not appropriate? Please, please, probably please better, share, please. <laughs> yes, because that's probably the, the better base because people are like, what are they talking about? Right, is, totally. I mean, Let's back it up a step. Thank these you. <laughs> selfish women that don't they care? Um, yeah, so. <laughs> Good call. To, to, to go in with grace, um, I want to provide the opportunity for, for people to potentially, you know, I, I ask you all to, to pause and, and just consider a various lens everything that I do is with integrity and with the utmost principle of love and respect for all human beings. And these are the same principles that I apply within my household for my four-year-old, for myself, for my husband, and for everyone, okay? So with that being said, you know, there's been a lot of wishy-washiness in, of course, the messaging of whether masks are effective or not. And I mean, from Good Morning America to ABC to you name it, mainstream media, back in March, very clearly we're sending the messaging that masks were only for healthcare practitioners and that, and it, and it wasn't just a scarcity because that would only be really for the N95 masks. People will say, oh, that's because they were worried about the scarcity. Well, it was because they've been shown to be actually ineffective with respiratory viruses. And yes, they have not been shown to be ineffective at that time with COVID, SARS-2 COVID at that time because we didn't have testing. Now we actually do. Now we actually have randomized controlled clinical trials showing the use of masks being ineffective. But at that time, we did not. We just had comparisons of influenza and past respiratory viruses. And the deal is, is that when you see a lot of the, the push of, you know, these work, like the Petri dishes, for instance, the, there was these Petri dishes that were shown and they were showing bacteria 
it, that was coming from a cough as well as talking um, and I believe singing or yelling and it was compared with a mask and without a mask and, and there was a variance. Bacteria compared to the size of a virus is very different. Viruses are a thousand times plus smaller than bacteria. And this is like a mosquito going through a soccer goal, okay? So like the, the size of the soccer goal, which you can easily put almost your three fingers through, right? Um, or larger, I haven't tried on a soccer goal recently, but large space, right? So the filtration is just not clinically sound. It doesn't make sense. The concern is also with asymptomatic carrier and the wishy-washy language there. When they did do a randomized trial, the people that were infected with COVID-19 were coughing on an average of, I believe it was every 17 minutes. And so, you know, someone's coughing three, four times within an hour. And I think that if someone's coughing within three, four times of an hour and in spells of coughing, that we would identify that as someone maybe being sick with a respiratory infection. It's a pretty frequent cough, you know. So the ones that were infected and did not have that cough had no variance of masking and not masking in, in output of viral droplets. So that's what we would call, again, an asymptomatic carrier, someone that's not coughing. And so there's just study and study and study. And um, we've seen in studies that mask wearing can actually increase infection, especially in a population that isn't medically trained to handle them. Um, and this means population that's touching their mask, um, that's moving their mask when they can't hear someone behind a register talk and they say, what? Or just touching it with their hands, taking it on and off correctly, not washing it, reusing it. The list goes on. Wearing them into the bathrooms, which I've seen people do in the restaurant setting. So misuse can actually increase contamination. You're basically wearing a vector of pathogen um, because you're creating a surface area that is going to be touched likely that can then drive that bacteria in the exterior of the mask into your respiratory tract. Also, when we see the studies of the bacteria growing in the Petri dish, yeah, all that that's showing you is that your mask is trapping that bacteria that your innate immune system is developed to expel through your breath out of your body, but instead trapping to your face so that you are stuck breathing it back in. And I am quite confident that we're going to see an influx. We're already starting to see staph infections on the skin that are really severe. Um, we're seeing maskne, right? Which is acne from mask wearing because that exhaled bacteria is adhered to the face. We're seeing this in the respiratory tract and we're going to see infections in the lungs from this, from long-term use. So it's not a net neutral. The areas that the, the big venomous support comes from epidemiology studies, which is observational studies. And Leanne, your listeners should know better in the sense that epidemiology is also what tells us that red meat is bad, right? Epidemiology, these are correlation-based studies. And when we compare to places like Japan, what I like to call out is that we've seen this particular novel virus to have heavy trends to insulin resistance, to have significant influence on metabolic health, including some nutrient status like vitamin D has a huge tie into mortality, as does glutathione. So we're using now glutathione as a nebulizer breath treatment with great success. We're seeing that when we use IV glutathione and vitamin C, individuals are recovering and less severity of symptoms. So this is very nutritionally immune mediated and metabolically influenced based on how severe the individual will get impacted. And the concern is that 
the masks themselves are not neutral. They pose actually net harmful. And I'll get to that in one moment. So the epidemiology studies, when we compare it to Japan, so they would say, oh, well, it's because of their great compliance with masking. And, it, and look how great China's doing. It's the contact tracing and the mask wearing. And these populations have been masking, especially in China, because of the pollution in the city to actually reduce the inhaled pollution, which is larger particles than virus, which is super tiny again. Um, so that's not a dynamic change. And when we're looking at epidemiology in Japan, let's look at their 3% obesity rate compared to 37% obesity rate in the US. And let's think of how the US is doing with their cases and their fatalities based on that factor, which is actually a stronger statistical variable than the people that are compliant with masking or not. And there's also people in Japan that are consuming high amounts of green tea, traditional Chinese herbs like skullcap. You know, so there's so many variables on the individual as a base and how their body responds to a pathogen and a respiratory virus, especially. All respiratory viruses in history have been resolved via herd immunity. And so when we're talking about this masking and this depleting of the individual's immune function of expelling, and the fact that asymptomatic carriers very well do not release significant droplets because that was that test where they compared with mask or with not and the group that was not coughing. And then you talk about the bacteria you're inhaling. I see it again as a net negative. And even further, if we're talking about what this does to humanity, reducing connection, the influence on oxytocin and serotonin, and that's the concern that I get with our children. Yes, completely. And, and to add to the social aspect, I've started noticing that there's a specialness around mask wearing and that it's hard to put to words what I've been witnessing, but, you know, people taking pictures of their masks and, you know, look at me, I'm wearing a mask and it creates a specialness and there's conversations between friends that I've heard of like, oh, and then she didn't wear a mask. And there's a separation that's occurring because of this. I guess my next question is if we need to wear it, like we're a teacher or da 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 da, and it's required for our, our career or job, how do we do it better than what we're doing right now? Like, for example, you said, you know, touching it all the time, and I'm guilty of that too, or I just keep a mask in my bag for when I'm required to wear one. I just take right. it out, put it on my face, not washing it. I've been doing IVs every week of vitamin C, uh, D, and glutathione. What are some things that people can do to support? Because I think it's unrealistic right now to say, never wear a mask. Um, right. But what can we do to help the situation? And I, and I think it it is unrealistic now, but I think that it's, you know, two part of, of based on what the task is, right? So if it's based on your employer and you've already done what you could in the sense of, I'll send you a link, Leanne, that I have on my blog. And I think it's called considering logic in a time of pandemic okay. and something like that, something with the word logic in it. And um, it has a bunch of, you know, research references and a letter that I wrote to Stella's school, as well as a letter that Becky wrote to our farmer's market, which is an open air farmer's market in Austin, Texas at a triple digit degrees that they're mandating masking. So I think that first we have to share our voices because the concern is that the masking is so 
virtual signaling, excuse me, virtue signaling, not virtual, virtue signaling in the sense of, like you said, this higher than thou and that it's this almost creating kind of classism. But the concern that I have is if we continue to do this, then we're also putting our hands up in the air and saying that the body isn't capable and that we're waiting on big pharma to save us. We're waiting on the vaccine to come save us. And when you look at a lot of cities in their phased plans, some of them literally say that phase three or phase two, depending on how they number it, um, will not be liberated until a vaccine is available. And that's just a really radical position because we don't even know if possible to make a successful RNA-based vaccine based on the type of pandemic that this is. So that's really scary, I think, as a citizen to know that, that your freedom of experiencing life as you pass new it is based on big pharma coming to save you. Yes. <laughs> um, I just want to say that. Oh man, um, I've had so much anxiety around that specifically. And I think that's why I broke down in yoga class today of like, yeah. I'm being forced to wear this mask and then this is going to happen. And then, you know, like you have this response of just, you know, you get in your head a lot about what could potentially be. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I never like to monger fear, but I do like to create an awareness of the possibility of, of medical autonomy and medical freedom. And I think that we need to know that every time we comply with that, we are playing into the narrative. And, you know, so I don't know. I mean, my answer would be that I would do yoga outside and, and I, I think we're in dire need, Leanne, of like a new app program <laughs> where people like, you know, maybe it's just called like, I don't know, um, but especially for kids where you could find other four-year-olds in your neighborhood if you choose to not send your kid to school and, and you can put their, their likes, like we like hiking in nature, we like kitties, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. And then you can actually co-op because that's what's going to start to happen. I mean, we're five months in. So we have to create co-op. We have to create communities. We have to have conversations and we have to question the narrative. So I think that, you know, opting out whenever possible is great. If you're not able to do so, I think you have to at least express your feedback with your employer, with clinical sound research studies. And I think that at least to put that sound bite out there so you can feel empowered and know that you spoke your truth. Um, and then I think you have to practice particular breath work while wearing a mask. And so, you know, being mindful that one of my other concerns is that we tend to get an increase of epinephrine or adrenaline. And it sounds like you have um, experienced that yourself where, you know, because of the, the change in your respiratory rate. So when we breathe under fight or flight stress mode, there's short rapid inhalations and exhalations like, right? Like thinking literally that like you like ran and you're like hiding from someone or something, right? Yes, well, completely. We tend to breathe more in that pattern when we're wearing a mask because we get a little bit of that anxiety of our respiratory respiratory tract being blocked. So there's some scarcity impact and that creates this sympathetic nervous system response. Um, and so what's concerning about that, again, as the fact of this not being net neutral, but being net harmful, is that that puts the body into this sympathetic versus parasympathetic mode in which the immune system does not operate optimally. So when the immune system is under, I mean, it's common. Everyone gets a cold and flu when they're burned down and tired from stress. That's classic. 
classic. And, and so, you know, we think of that like after the holidays, after travel and eating poorly, people get hit with things. So by putting yourself in a breath pattern that is fight or flight mode, that puts out more epinephrine, that puts out more cortisol, and that interferes with how your blood cell, your white blood cells respond to a potential pathogen. So one thing you can do is at least harness your breath work. I love the work of Wim Hof and, you know, he's the Iceman and, um, he does really cool, um, patterns of breath work that, incorporate holding your breath, you know, where he does a minute hold and even upwards of a three minute hold, even in his novice starting mode. And his work is awesome. I can send you a really cool YouTube for your listeners to check out on him. I really like four, seven, eight breath. That's the work of Dr. Andrew Weil. And I practice that with the anti-anxiety diet, which is inhaling for four through your nose, holding for seven and exhaling with a whooshing or eight. But the problem that I have with the whooshing is without a mask, you're whooshing like literally like creating like a white noise whoosh. And the idea of this four, seven, eight breath is to exhale, you know, two to one ratio. So it's like you have this inner tube that you're compressing out and pressing all that air out. And when you think of like a spa, you know, it always says exhale and we never think of inhale with stress, but when we are stressed, we tend to inhale more than we exhale. And so working on at least a one-to-one exhale, I'm not sure that I would recommend the whooshing in a mask because you're spitting more with a whoosh. And so again, especially in hot environments like we live, then you're creating more moisture in the humid environment and that's going to create higher growth of bacteria, which is not good for your body. But if you can at least focus on an equilibrium inhale, exhale and and harness your breath and even play with holding your breath and then deep releases, that will at least help to, to swing you back into a parasympathetic rested state. ButcherBox features 100% grass-fed and finished heritage-bred pork and organic free-range chicken. ButcherBox sends you high-quality health-promoting meats directly to your door on dry ice, free shipping anywhere in the lower 48. ButcherBox makes committing to high-quality protein sources less expensive and more available to all. Their prices are hard to beat, and it's challenging to find a higher-quality product anywhere in the USA. I've been using ButcherBox since 2017 and love Love the convenience of a package showing up just when I need it. Their ground sausage is a dream. It's my personal favorite. Head on over to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to build a bundle that fits you and your family and start eating high quality meat without all the hassle of searching high and low for the good stuff. Beautiful. I think that breath work, um, there was a video that you made on Instagram. What's your Instagram if people want to follow you? Yeah, it's just at Allie Miller RD. Okay, awesome. She shares amazing videos and resources and IGTVs. And there was one where you said breath work. And I was like, Dolly Ann, that's great. Allie, yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's so simple. And you can really, can you do it anytime? Like oftentimes I do breath work, like when I'm driving, when I remember, when I'm walking, just like anytime. Yeah. And let me clarify actually a little clearer because I kind of alluded to it. While masking, I would highly suggest that you do that focus on at least a one-to-one exhale, maybe a double exhale, but I would recommend that you seal your lips. You should seal your lips and breathe only through your nose when wearing a mask 
to reduce, like I said, the shushing would be more spit. Um, but that's a really great breath work to do like in your car or in the parking lot before you have to put the mask on to get into the building to set the tone. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm glad that you clarified that. Thank you. Well, and you know, what's interesting, Leanne, is like if, if we're open mouth breathing while we're in tighter populations or at higher risk for exposure, right, which is a time that we're probably mandated to wear a mask, a lot of people don't realize that when we, again, we have to think of how the body was manufactured to work and it has such beautiful check and balance processes. You know, when we breathe through our nose, your nose actually adjusts humidity, your nose actually adjusts temperature, your, all of your nares and your cilia, right, work as a filter and you have more mucus and phlegm and that's why you blow your nose, that's why you sneeze, to gather pathogen your mouth is a gaping large hole. <laughs> like, you know, like if you're taking a deep breath in the grocery store with your mouth open, like which you might do because you feel like you can't breathe in your mask, then you're actually putting yourself likely at more risk than just again, sealing your lips and, and nose breathing. You need to take advantage of that body's natural filter. I'm so glad you mentioned this. And this is like kind of related, but I wanted to get your take on it. I was I don't know how it came up. One of my clients said that they were starting to tape at night. And I was like, what's tape? She's like, I tape my mouth closed. So I breathe through my nose. What are your thoughts on trying yeah. to train? Yeah, really? It's yes. Great. No mouth okay. taping is awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and if you can't, if you notice yourself as a mouth breather or your partner's telling you that you're a snore, most definitely mouth taping is fantastic. You'll notice that your cortisol, I, I see often when cortisol values are off and individuals are tanked in the morning, you know, generally cortisol is supposed to be highest in the morning. And that's what can kind of be that Cinderella chirping, you know, ah, the light, the light is supposed to wake us. And when individuals don't have a cortisol peak in the morning, nine out of 10, it's because they are not getting enough oxygenation to their brain and they are in more of a survival mode based on their breath through their sleep. Whoa. So for people who are like mouth taping, what can we explain <laughs> what this is like quickly? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, it's literally, um, I mean, there's, I think one of them is called Somnifix or something like that. I can't think of all the brands, but you know, the, there's just mouth tape, like a sports tape. And you, there's some that come with like little lips on them, whatever. And you literally are just taping your mouth shut so that you're not taking those big oral <laughs> inhalations um, and cutting off the oxygenation to the brain. When you breathe through your nose, you're going to get more neurological neurogenesis and also you get that deeper restorative sleep. So if people are involuntarily mouth breathing, and it might be just based on you know their anatomy of, of their nasal passage and it's just become history, that's, that's something that would be really important to correct for op and even metabolism. I mean, you'll see people that have been at a weight stall and they start taping their mouth and, you know, you go through higher REM of your metabolic rate when you're breathing appropriately while you're sleeping. What? I know, right? <laughs> that is so great. Okay. You've inspired me. I'm going to figure out how to do this. Um, I love, I love, love, love. And I was unsure. I'm like taping your mouth at night. I mean, there's a little bit of anxiety that is I that have safe? over like, yeah. Yeah. am I going to breathe? Like, will I just die in my sleep? <laughs> there's definitely a concern there, but I love it. Is there anything you feel like we missed that you want us to touch on when it relates to stress, anxiety during this time, any resources that you have either in your books or your programs? Um, I know that you have an adrenal rehab program, which I'll include in the link below that I think goes really well with this conversation yeah. today. Um, anything else that you feel like we missed that you really want to drive home? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the adrenal rehab program would be an awesome fit if you're looking to 
harness this stress stallion. Um, it provides a lot of lifestyle tools. There's a lot of work on mantra. I talk a lot about what is called the allostatic load, which is basically your stress threshold and the things that you choose to pile on, as well as those that you don't have control to, but have to accept that you're quote unquote wearing, you know, and then how you can edit or compensate so that you can keep your body hormonally and stress managed. So that's all within that program. We talk a lot about blue light, which I think is really important during this time. And, you know, I think again, as a parent with kids going back to school and a lot of them doing a virtual model, I just think we need to get to a space, all of us, where we take in information, we disseminate it, we sit with it, and we start to, to think with our intuition, we start to allow information to come in, but really feel what's right or wrong and think with our heart, think with our gut instinct and allow that voice to be just as present of the talking heads that we hear on the news or in the media. Because unfortunately, there has just been so much misrepresentation and faulty numbers that we see. I mean, recently, right? Florida just came out where a couple labs said 100% positive, and then it came back to, to something at like 6%. I mean, the, the, you, you just can't have that wild, vacillating statistics to buy into to drive policy. And we're seeing the goalposts continue to move. Um, you know, this was always, we were flattening the curve on the death toll, which has been flattened. The death toll in the United States has not gone up since April at its peak. The only states, when you look at CDC statistics, the only states that have over 100% expected death, which that's the CDC doing a weekly count of deaths per state, right? Texas, which is, one of the scariest states right now is still at 99% to date on July, whatever teens we're at. And so if this was such a hospitals are, are overfilling and, and we're hearing all of this noise, then the then we would be at 130% of the expected death rate, not at 99. So we have to just take pause and, and look at hard numbers, seek truth, and question what feels right for our households and our families. And I think that we have to feel empowered with the capabilities of the human body. And we have to do what we can to support our metabolic health. Because no matter what, if our metabolic health is off, if we're dealing with insulin resistance, if we're dealing with nutrient deficiencies, inflammatory processes, then we're just vulnerable to the next coming pandemic or to any other chronic illness. So starting with supporting the frame of the body is at most important. And that's the greatest thing that I'm hoping all of us see in this quote unquote awakening timeframe is, is the importance of investing in self-care and well-care. And I think equally in the importance of the physio physiological body is the mental and emotional body. And so, you know, really finding again, that serenity under the waves, having the deep conversations with loved ones, maintaining touch and connection because physiologically, we need those surges of oxytocin as a natural antidepressant. Um, we need these neurotransmitter balancers that come with human connection and come with sexual expression. And I think that that's what the body will tell you when you start to explore those, those areas that, yes, this feels good. Yes, this feels right. I need more of this. 
I'm so glad you touched on the touching part. It's something that I know that I'm massively lacking (laughs) and I'm such a hugger. Like I love hugging people, shaking hands, like just, you know, even when I'm walking with a girlfriend, putting my arm around them to just like touch, like to feel touch. And, um, I've noticed with myself, like just, majorly lacking in that. And I, and I really love that you talked on discern, like it's really discernment, like Mm -hmm. empowering yourself to allow yourself to have thoughts about things that may not align with what other people are saying. And I think, like you said, at the very beginning of today's episode, you know, as a practitioner, who's always kind of like, for as long as I've known you pushing the edge and talking about things that people don't talk about, I think it's a lot easier for people that have been doing this for a while to be like, wait a minute, I'm going to think for myself here, but Mm maybe a new muscle for a lot of people. And that's, that's exciting to really step into that and start to trust yourself more and start to listen to your body. And like you said, if it feels good, that's a great sign. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, my, my, um, thought in all this and, and why I can, um, you know, sleep peacefully at night. Cause it's so funny. I, I, I told my husband one day, I was like, he's like, how can you describe like how you feel? Because in, in March, before I was really speaking my truth, I was in such a deep depression because I felt like I didn't even know if I could safely express my truth. And I just, I, I had this meditation and after yoga class during, you know, the silent space. And I heard, maybe my own child voice, but some child yelling, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. And I told, I told Brady, I was like, this, this game is changing. (laughs) I'm just doing it. And, um, it's like every day I look at a wall that's magenta and, and I, I I tune into the world and I'm like, Oh, they still see it as lime green. Okay. Well, it's still definitely magenta. (laughs) How can I creatively show them the palette that exists in front of them? Um, you know, and so it's been interesting. And I think that the wild strokes of greed and the, you know, corporate influence of big pharma, when we look at the fact that this has been sensationalized, I think everyone should take a pause and think of how sensationalized this has been, that overnight all the commercials changed and you're just being messaged this, wear a damn mask. You know, I mean, there's, there's aggressive language and shame that those strokes of greed are just too much. And, and, and the data that doesn't line up, and I just think it's going to keep getting more aware where people will just have to take a pause back and say, Oh, okay. Um, and, and, and I'm here for that. Yes, completely. And if you, if one who is listening hasn't experienced this, you can just go to Google and type in literally anything and see what comes up and see just like, <laughs> you know, I do that often as a reminder of like, oh, right, we're being filtered. And what you see, you know, a simple question like, why does my stomach hurt every morning? Put that into Google and see what companies are being displayed. And there's no more spaces. Um, you know, if you look on Google search results, you won't see blogs like Allie's or mine anymore. I mean, it's very, you know, it's been very detrimental to many businesses, including mine of just nobody can find alternative ways of, of connecting to their bodies and to the, to quote unquote truth or other truths that could exist. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really interesting. And I really, really appreciate you coming on the show and also being brave and, and sharing your truth. It's been really inspiring to watch and be a part of and and sharing it with the show today. So I really, really appreciate you stepping up and and sharing from your heart. It means a lot to me and I know it means a lot to all of your followers. Well, thanks Leanne for the opportunity 
to share to your audience. And again, I, my words, one, one other thing I'll leave with. So my four-year-old, um, was angry one day and we were sitting on the steps talking about why she was angry. And she said, sometimes when I'm scared, I get angry. And so I say that to listeners before you hit me up as an anti-vaxxer and DM me <laughs> and, and do all the mean things that may feel like you should do from hearing this juxtapositional voice of the narrative, just sit with that thought. And again, my thoughts of intention of I have, I have no gain in this other than to try to empower and support you. Oh, beautifully said. Thank you so much, Ali, for coming on the show. I'll include all the links. Um, you chatted about the adrenal rehab program, micronutrient testing, the Wim Hof resources. So I'll include all those links uh, in today's show notes. And thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. And yes, if y'all don't have a copy of the Anti-Anxiety Diet or the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook, those would be two other resources I would say would be really helpful during this time to help you to understand all of the mechanisms of stress and whole body health. Yes, I have both of those books. They're awesome. I will also include links in the show notes for that as well. Thanks so much, Allie. Thank you. So good, right? I'm so thankful to call Allie a friend. She's just wonderful. And I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Next up on the podcast, Sunday, August 9th, we have episode 263, where my friend Marie Young is taking over the show, talking about a missing period, hypothalamic amenorrhea, and all the ins and outs of this. Now, this is something that I experienced for eight years. So I have a lot to say on the topic. And in that episode, I will include a bunch of links and resources of work that I've done in the past with hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, and if you're struggling through it and just really having a hard time, oh my goodness, I completely understand. And I hope episode 263 will provide you with the resources you need to feel like you are back in control again. Now, Sunday, August 16th is episode 264. I'm doing a Q&A episode we're chatting about macro management, hormone levels, brain fog, a whole bunch of other things. And if you want to submit a question that will be on the show, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. Now that link will also be in the show notes. I recently got Invisalign and my S's and pronunciation of some words is a little bit challenging at times. If you didn't just get that, um, all the links for everything will be in the show notes. So you can check that out. Thanks. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, nutrition, and diet and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor should it be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 